What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend I met in Scottsdale, Arizona, almost a year ago, believe it or not, even though I just got back from Scottsdale, but this was a year ago. And you know, I had to have him on the show because I wanted to bring him into your world and share his expertise and his journey and what's gone into making him. My friend Cameron Harold is here. And Cameron is the mastermind behind hundreds of companies, exponential growth, and has earned his reputation as the business growth guru. He has built a dynamic consultancy with clients that include a monarchy and a big four wireless company. He's the author of five books. He draws cool pictures when he does his talks because I saw some of his diagrams. So I had to bring him in. And he's also a top-rated international speaker and the founder of the COO Alliance, the world's leading network of seconds in command. Cameron, welcome to the What Are You Made Of show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too, man. And I think uh, after I was on we saw each other out in Scottsdale. You did a talk for a Steve Sims event and then uh, Clubhouse came out. And then I was wow. like, holy shit, there's Cameron Harold. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. And uh, you know, I'm glad you're here, but we got to stay with the tradition here. I always start the show before we get too deep. What are you made of? It's funny. Like I saw that behind you and realized I was going to have to answer that. And I've never sat and paused to answer that question. So you're going to get it really raw. I think I'm actually made, well, clearly I'm made of my mom and dad, right? Like combined. But I think I am this combination of the two, and they're very different. My dad was the entrepreneur, hustle, spot opportunity, street smart, charismatic, take care of people, massively bipolar and wickedly ADD. (laughs) That's for sure me. And then my mom was the humility and the core values and integrity and drive and like the Protestant work ethic. And it's and it's absolutely those two things. And it's almost like it's like one's on one shoulder and one's on the other, and they're both in conflict. Like when I'm having so much fun, my mom kind of pulls me back. And she passed away 19 years ago. But when my mom's kind of got me too serious and too focused, my dad's like, fuck it, have fun. We're all gonna die. And and I think those <laughs> I think those things are just definitely there that that have made me an entrepreneur and a better dad and, and I guess who I am. I love that, man. That's one of the more elaborate answers I've heard with that question. A lot of times people give us one word or a phrase or, you know, but uh, that was, that was awesome, man. And uh, look, that's, that's what you're made of. So then we have to dig deeper and talk about the blueprint that's gone into making you and making your success. So take us back to growing up. Like, where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Northern Ontario in Canada in a small city of about 80,000 people. I was groomed to be an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur and both sets of grandparents were entrepreneurs. My dad groomed the three of us to be entrepreneurs. And, and in the last 25 years, my brother, my sister, and myself have all run our own companies. So it's really all we've ever known. I did a main or a talk that's on the main TED website on raising kids as entrepreneurs. And it's how I was grown as an entrepreneur. It's on the main TED website to this day. And it was all of the entrepreneurial ventures I had until the time I was 18 
when I was 20, I had 12 full-time employees. So I had started a business in second year university. I had 12 employees, ran a business for three years while I was in university. And then when I graduated in 1989, I joined the leadership team of a franchisor called College Pro Painters. And I started coaching franchisees. And over the next four years, I'd coached 120 entrepreneurs. And that was before coaching had even started. So if you look back to the genesis of business coaching, the International Federation of Coaches and Coach U both started around 1994. And by then, I had already coached 120 entrepreneurs. Kimball Musk, I hired and trained Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, in 93. And then his cousin, Peter Reeve, who built Solar City. I coached both of them yep, 20, I remember you 28 that. years ago. Right? I remember so you saying that. That was really, I think, what made me in the, the blueprint was franchising and coaching. In franchising, I was taught that there was a simple system and the system had to be able to be executed amongst or over 800 students painting houses. Those 800 franchisees had 8,000 painters. So we had to build an 8,800 person company every year. And then September 1st, all 8,800 kids would quit and go back to school. And the 60 of us at the head office would do it again. So I learned about the systems and simplification and focus and coaching, I guess, were probably what kind of became my blueprint. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that there's different types of people and different types of personalities, right? I'm the type that I see something, I go after it, and I don't even have any idea how the hell to do it half the time. I've achieved it. But I wasted more time, money, stress, energy, relationship, all the stuff that I didn't need because if I would have just had the, the blueprint, the step-by-step process. And there's people like me, and then there's people like you that are more systems-oriented, right? Am I right with that? Like what you're saying? Yes and no. Yes. So my dad actually taught me something when I was very young. He said, you're never going to be smart enough to figure this out on your own. And he said, your R&D should stand for rip off and duplicate. And he yeah. said, millions of companies have already done this whatever you're going to do, whatever problem you're trying to solve, companies have already figured it out. Figure out who they are and just do what they did. So for me, it was like the, seeing the fly banging its head on the window. I'm like, oh, there's a fucking door. It's right here. I'll just go out the door. So instead <laughs> right. of me trying to figure out how to get through the window, I'm just like, who's got a door? Oh, there it is. So I just like, if I read a business book, I actually do everything in the book. I don't just read it and go, that was interesting. Read another book. Like if I'll read good to great 12 times until I know I'm doing everything in it, and then I'll go to the next one. So I've just taken the systems and methodologies. I was terrified when I was a franchisee for College Pro Painters. I was 20 years old. I signed a 67-page franchise agreement. I was terrified I was going to go bankrupt. So I just followed everything they told me. So to this day, instead of me trying to figure it out, I just trying to find a system that's working, and I just do it. Love that, man. Uh, and the reason I'm saying all this, I don't know if you know this, but we, uh, I started a tech company and helped launch a tech incubator with Grant Cardone. And this one company that the, the first one out of the incubator is called Blueprinted. And uh, I'll tell you more about that later, but it just, it's been a weakness of mine my whole life, my Achilles heel, and I'm doing something about it. And, uh, but that's the reason I asked. So now, when you were going through the College Pro Painters uh, franchise program and all that, were you thinking that that's what you wanted to do with your life? Or is that what you were kind of just doing now to, to make money at the time? Or that was like thing in front of you? Yeah, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur because that's all I'd ever done. Again, I could name off to you probably 18 different business ventures I had by the time I was 18 years old. I could rattle them right off today because I learned so much from each of them. So by the time I was 20, I knew I wanted to, to run my own business. It wasn't going to be to be a house painter or to run a house painting business, but that just worked for three summers and I made a lot of money doing it. And then it was the next business after that, right? So 
yeah, I don't think I ever woke up and said, I want to be in the shoe business and I'm going to be in shoes for the next 50 years, right? I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. To me, being an entrepreneur was the ability to have as much free time to do whatever I wanted, the ability to work on the stuff I wanted, and the money would follow. It was always money came third. Um, and I was actually taught that at a very young age. So for me, it's, being an entrepreneur was always controlling my own destiny and being able to do what I wanted when I wanted. And because I was doing that, my energy was infused into it. And money just came easy. Did you ever have the issue when you were young? As an entrepreneur, a lot of people will work their asses off every day, like hours and hours and hours, just because they feel like they're never getting ahead or they never feel like they feel like they can do more and they have that ability. It's not an hourly paid job, right? So did you ever have that or did you learn from your dad not to do that? Two things. Well, a couple of things. First one is when I was growing up, so I'm 56. When I was growing up, being an entrepreneur was not cool. We were kind of vilified. We were the evil, greedy little kid in school. So being an entrepreneur only started to get cool in 97, 98, 99 in the rise of the first dot-com era. Prior to the rise of the dot-com era, being an entrepreneurship was shunned in school. Entrepreneurship wasn't taught in school. Kids who were entrepreneurs were shut down in school. So I was always kind of like in the shadows trying to do this entrepreneurial hustle thing because it wasn't cool. It's become very cool since to the point that it's a problem. Most people should not be entrepreneurs. They should be entrepreneurial. But most people should go get a job and work for an entrepreneurial company. So that was where I had to play was in that zone. And then the question was, was it around like failure? Or, no, time. So yeah, yeah. yeah I had two dif- distinct periods of my life when my world came crashing down because I didn't have the balance figured out yet. One was running my business in university and my friends started to kind of shun me because all you give a shit about is your business and your money. And I was like, no, I, I want to be around you again. And that was fourth year university when I decided to start a fraternity. We started the first fraternity ever in the city of Ottawa. I was president that first year. It still exists today, 33 years later. Wow. Now there's a whole Greek system in Ottawa. But by doing that, it allowed me to have a lot of fun and get engaged in the social side of school and run the business. And I was because I was then busier than ever, I learned that. Then I kind of unlearned it. I was building an internet company. We had 900 employees. I was president of this company. We just sold it to a public company and it was January of 2000. I was president of the Vancouver operations and I burned out. I had a friend, I was getting a mortgage for a house that I was buying and a friend tapped me on the shoulder and and I was in the elevator and he said, are you okay? And I turned around to answer him and I collapsed on the floor and started shaking and crying. And I had a complete nervous breakdown. Um, I was written up in the Wall Street Journal that October as one of four supernovas whose careers flamed out with stress. And it was wow. because, I, because I didn't understand the burnout. And so I went to the physician to get this, uh, this test done for my medical, for my insurance. He's like, what's going on? I go, I don't know. I've got like this weird metallic taste at the back of my neck. I feel like I'm chewing on aluminum foil or tin foil. And he said, what's going on? I go, well, my mom's dying of cancer. She's stage 3B and I just bought this house and I'm quitting my job. And the company we sold for 64 million is now worth three. And I just got you know, a mortgage I'm taking out and my wife's quitting her job. And you know, I just got married and I know I'm not really in love with her. And then I'm moving from Seattle back to Vancouver, but everything's pretty good. I just have this weird, he's like, dude, are you fucking kidding? Like, what do you mean this metallic taste? So we did this stress test where you fill out all these questions. And if you get something like 150 points, you have a 50% chance of a heart attack. 250 points, you have a 90% chance of a heart attack. I had 435 <laughs> points. I was clinically redlining. Wow. This is, you can see this, but a lot of our listeners won't be able to see this. This is a photo of me. Wow. Weighing 40 pounds heavier than I do today. 
<laughs> because I was drinking and smoking and not getting exercise and not eating healthy. And I was clinically redlining. So no, I didn't understand balance until I then joined Brian at 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we decided to build that company. And I was the second in command for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I took them from 14 people to 3,100 people in six years as COO. I understood balance there. You know, I ran, ran, was running half marathons. I was running. I was eating healthier. I understood family. I had a, a young son, so I, I really cared about my kids. So I really started to learn it. But man, you can get on tilt real, real fast. Now well, I don't work after 5.30 ever. I shut it down at 5.30. I never work weekends. And I've realized that I'm never going to get it all done. Like if I got everything on my list done, I'd just buy a company or set more goals, right? I'd right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm never going to get to the horizon, right? Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy just wrote a book, The Gap and the Gain. Like you'll never get to the horizon. So I've learned not to lie to myself. I'm not going to catch up at night. I'm going to actually go enjoy my night. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yeah, I love that, man. And what was the one thing like that you did, though, when you first went back and had a non-negotiable? Did you have that 530 curfew, work curfew, quote unquote, or First thing I did was quit smoking. I threw the pack of cigarettes out the window. I was driving up to Whistler, January 1st, 2001. Threw them out the window. So it was like three months after that. Second thing was timing. I just decided to like close the laptop, put it away, go home. I used to take the long road home and drive through these beautiful neighborhoods just to decompress. Started running, started getting exercise, started playing in some sports leagues, ultimate frisbee back then and volleyball and just giving a shit, you know? Yeah. 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 I love that, man. You know, and I, 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 go ahead. ahead. And and the other one was catching myself when I was manic or stressed, catching it before the chemical secretions started in the back of my neck, you know, like just going, ah, you're burning out, man. You're, You're reaching for coffee. You should get water. You're, you know, get some exercise, you know, don't, you don't get a glass of wine until you work out. I've got a right on my wine rack sitting across the room. I have a sign that says, did you work out today? And it's because I'm not allowed to grab a bottle of wine until I've done something. I got to do something. Before, love it. Right. Yeah. I love that, man. You know, I'm 44 years old and I work out every day, lift, work at like, and I eat good, but I do, I do have, you know, my, my meals here or there. I'll have a, you know, but like I stick to a consistent thing and man, it, it's given me so much energy, but I feel that everything that we do as entrepreneurs, especially when you're in a leadership position, you have to understand that people's eyes are on you. And I always think that when I start to think about doing something I probably shouldn't do that's not good for me, I think about even if nobody's here, somebody's watching. And so that's what keeps me on a straight and narrow. <laughs> you know, not only are people watching, but you'll never find a single pro athlete in the history of ever that performs in their sport 50, 60 hours a week. They don't do it. Like even baseball players that play more games than anybody else are pretty much just standing on the field for most of the game. You know, they're, they're kind of performing for that like 12 seconds and then they're back standing there waiting for the play. Right. So pro athletes just are not like, so you have to treat yourself like a racehorse. You got to, you got to give yourself some downtime. You got to give yourself some fitness. You got to, you know, get your massages. You got to decompress. And that's what motivates your team is when they see this balanced, motivated, focused human who's got a life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now how important are personality assessment tools and all that for what you do? 
I think they're really important once you hire the person. I don't like them at all for interviewing and hiring. I like them for after I have the person hired because I hire based on the they fit culturally with the company and they've done what I need them to do. So they have the skills and the behavioral traits. Once I have that person, I want to learn more about their DNA. So I want to do a disc profile. I want to do a Colby profile. I want to do PSI. I want to do love languages. I want to do colors. So every year I try to do a different personality profile with me and my team so that we can learn more about each other, not to change the other person, but so I can understand them more and so that they can understand me more. So it's, I think it's important to understand the DNA of the people that we work with to build higher functioning relationships and build you know, better communication and better trust and to realize that we're exactly who we're supposed to be. So if I know who Mike is and what really makes Mike tick, that builds our strength and our relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, hundred percent. Now, have you uh, have you met Amelia Antonetti? That name is really familiar. What's what? Yeah, she's working on the Genius Key right now. Have you heard of the yes, Genius Key? I, actually, I was supposed to be coaching her. She, um, I, I talked to her about six months ago. I was supposed to start coaching her in September. She's taking the company public. She reached out to me six months ago to see if I'd be coaching her. She's really brilliant. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine, and uh, just I met her actually. I met her on Clubhouse uh, January, but. Uh, we hit it off. I mean, she's got an Italian last name, so that helps right away. And then uh, she's just a phenomenal person. And uh, but but speaking of the personality, she's got this the genius key kind of can predict what's going to happen if you keep on those habits that you're currently on. It's pretty phenomenal. So yeah, I've been talking to her, and I'm going to test run her platform. I have a mortgage company that I have 30 employees, and I'm going to test run that with her just to help kind of launch the beta, I guess. But yeah, her plan- and- her platform super intriguing. Um, yeah. I just spent six weeks in Italy. I just got back last week. I was I got engaged over in Venice. Oh, congratulations, man. Yeah. Where's your family heritage? Where are you from back there? Well, I have both sides of my family are from Italy. Um, my mom's side is from the middle of the country. And then my dad's side was from the toe, whatever town that is. It was from the toe wow. of the, the, the boot. Barrow or barrier or something? Yes. Yes. That's it. And then- where was, your, uh, where was your mom? They were from somewhere central Italy. I'm not really sure. You got to know this if you're going to be a good Italian I know, boy. I, I, well, I know, I know, but you know, as as it comes down, as it comes down to generations, you start to be more Americanized, and you're like, eh. But I haven't yeah. been there yet. Like, is that was that your first time there? No, it was my uh, no my third and fourth time there. But my first time, the other the three times I was there were two days each. I coached the Tony Robbins of Italy, a guy named Alfio Bardola, and so I went over to Milan to meet with him twice. And then I was there in 1991 with my sister. We went to like Rome and Florence for like a day each, but six weeks over there was pretty spectacular. I really, really got to enjoy it. Wow, man. And then Burning Man, you're a burner, right? My first burn was 2007. Yeah, I've been a bunch of times. So I talked to you a little bit about this when, when we were at Scottsdale and I haven't been. I don't even know what month it's in. I got I to gotta do some research, but I'm, I've been so busy building these companies that we're doing and, and raising the family that I got I to gotta program this in. Like how... Far in advance, should you schedule a trip? So Burning Man is the week before Labor Day weekend. Okay, uh, guess, tickets, yeah. tickets go on sale January. The last two Burning Mans have been canceled because of COVID. So we, we right. should know shortly if this year will go. I'm pretty sure it'll go. You'll have to be vaccinated, I'm sure, to go, which sucks, but whatever. You have to. I would go for your first time, get involved with a camp, like find a few people that are going and you like them and get into their camp to make it easy for you. Yeah. But yeah, I took Tim Ferriss to his first Burning Man in 2008. I took Garrett Camp, the founder of Uber, to his first Burning Man in 2008. <laughs> I actually told him it was a stupid idea. And you didn't invest. What's that? You didn't invest? No, four of the five of us did not invest. My typical <laughs> angel round was 25,000. 
Tim put 25,000 in that next week because we were all together. The other four of us said no. When Uber IPO, Tim's $25,000 investment was worth $108 million. Unbelievable. Biggest mistake of my life. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, look, uh, as we wind this down, I respect your time and I really appreciate you being on here because it's one minute after 5.30, my time. Oh, you know what? It's your time. So I'm not worried about it because <laughs> you're, you're, you're in you're in Pacific time, I think, right? 2.30? Vancouver. Yeah, I got lots of time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. good. Uh, I was going to worry about because I didn't want to get past the 5.30. Um, <laughs> okay, man. It's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. So uh, what's got you excited right now? Like what you're doing right now? Well, okay. So I'm I'm excited about living globally. I just gave my car back last night. I have no cars. I get got rid of my car in the U.S. I got rid of my house in the U.S. Got rid of all my assets in the U.S. I gave my green card back to the U.S. ten days ago. So I'm now technically resident of Barbados. I only have to go for 24 hours a year as a Canadian, but I'm now moving my company out of Barbados. My personal tax residency is Barbados. I'm flying out to Barbados tonight. But living globally is what I'm excited about. I got rid of my car in Canada. Car insurance in Canada too. So we're literally progressing down to the the big joke is my as Kanye says my house is my backpack my home is when my kids facetime me so <laughs> wow. living living globally with my fiance is what i'm excited about so for the next i'll give you just our quick agenda for the next 3 months it's barbados st thomas and the grenadines or st vincent and grenadines a catamaran trip in the grenadines back to barbados for another week costa rica chile and then I'm in Antarctica. I'll be speaking in Antarctica the first week of February and then two weeks in Patagonia hiking. That takes me to the end of February. So that's, that's basically my November, December, January, February. And you have kids, by the way? They're, I assume they're grown. I do. I've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. They're both in, they're in first and third year university. Okay. And then you, you can work wherever you're going, right? Coaching, yeah, work, I, all that. Right? I really tried to design my life so I can be anywhere. I can work from anywhere. I can have a lot of free time. Even when I was over in Italy for that six-week period, I only worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 1 p.m. till 7 p.m. Italy time. And I didn't work at all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Didn't work in the mornings. And at 7 o'clock at night, I'm done with my little six-hour push. Nobody goes for dinner in Europe until after 7.30. Restaurants don't even open until 7 o'clock. So I'd like shut it down, have a shower, chat with my fiance. We'd go off, walk for dinner. I lost weight in Italy. I lost four pounds eating pasta two meals a day. <laughs> That's <laughs> got to be a first. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we were we were walking thirteen thousand steps on average a day. Is what our average was for the six weeks. But yeah, I just want to. I'm excited about living globally, being a citizen of the world, getting to explore different cultures, and getting to know different cities. I'm really excited about that. And then I'm really focused on growing the COO Alliance. You know, we've now got members from seventeen countries. And my course, the Invest in Your Leaders course, has really kicked off. I've kind of rolled out this course that people are taking for all their managers and leaders that are the 12 core leadership skills that every business person needs to really excel in their job and nobody's teaching. And so where can people find that? It's called Invest in Your Leaders. It's just investinyourleaders.com. I'll drop the link in for you. Okay. Investinyourleaders.com. And my team will put that in the show notes as well. And then sure. the best, is that the best place for people to engage with you? Or is there another way if they, if they want to get coaching or? Yeah, all five of my books are available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. And then my main website is CameronHerald.com or the COO Alliance. Got it. And then who is, who is, or what book was your favorite out of all the ones you've written? It's a really good question. It's kind of like saying, which is your favorite kid? Yeah. Like, I don't, but, but we have favorite things about each kid, right? So Double Double was my first book. It was a lot of work to get it out the door. I'm insanely proud because it just took a lot of work to get it done and get it out there. 
Vivid Vision is changing businesses globally. And I'm really happy. Like, it's got something like 550 five-star reviews on Amazon. And it's just like lighting up. has been really, really great to see it take off and starting to change so many companies. The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that I got to co-author with Hal Elrod was fun. Just being able to partner with Hal on a book that is selling tens of thousands of copies. My free PR book was great because I just got to teach the secrets. And it's I wrote it with a, co- a former coaching client of mine, Adrian, and he he really helped me take the book free PR and, and really blow it up. And then meetings suck just because I'm tired of people complaining about something. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's there's no favorite. They're just good. Well, well, look, I, I know you uh, you got a lot going on and you're traveling and all that. But what I'm going to do, just so you know, I'm going to set up a call because I got to introduce you to this kid, Jared Yellen, who's a friend of mine and a business partner of mine. And okay. I just want. You- do you know him, by the way, Jared Yellen? His his name might be familiar. Well, he's he's uh he's my co-founder in the tech company, but he's also co-founder with 10X Incubator, and uh, I, he's just got to meet you. And you and he's such a phenomenal. He's in his uh mid to late thirties, just a phenomenal human being. But I got to get a connection call to two of you just so you guys can chat because uh, there's synergies there, something that can be done. I know uh, sure. based on yeah, what you do just and uh, over email. Yeah. And then if you need, uh, as far as Amelia goes too, I can reconnect you there if you need me to, because she's a phenomenal human being as well. And I'd love to do whatever I can to help you out with that. Yeah. Just, just ping her and tell her we were just talking. That'd be great. I'll yeah. Drop her note. yeah. I'll do that. Well, Cameron, thank you for coming on the show today. It was great to learn about you more and share with my audience what I already learned. I did take the vivid vision statement to my team and we did come up with one for our company. We actually did them all together. Like we each did our own and then we combined them together. And we had a meeting together and and formulated it. And it was pretty amazing exercise, man. I, I was just, I'm coachable, obviously. So um, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to working with you here in the future. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Stay ahead of Steve Sims for us too, our friend. Yeah, we will do, buddy. And uh, if there's anything I can ever do for you, man, just holler, okay? Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Right. Take care. Thanks, Cameron. Bye-bye. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, Mike Searock and Cameron Harrell. We're both unstoppable, as you heard Cameron's story. If you'd like to check out his books, I'm sure they're on Amazon. And he's very easy to find. We had the links, all that you need in the show notes. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.